there is no guarantee for success, but there are ways to get closer to it when you do the right things. Who you surround yourself with is just as important as what you do. Finding the right people, the right classes, the right activities, and taking the right tests are all decisions that shape your future. Find out more today on Destination University with Dr. Cynthia Cologne. Dr. Cologne and her guests will give you the tips you need, whether you're a student, parent, or educator. Now, here is your host, Dr. Cynthia Cologne. You're listening to Destination University a podcast for college-bound teens and the parents, mentors, and educators who support them. If that is you, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. I coach rock star students all the time, and yet most don't know how to write a compelling and engaging story. These are straight-A students, competitive speakers, debate and mock trial winners, and yet the college essay eludes them. It wasn't long ago that I was selected as a TEDx speaker and just like my rock star students, I thought the hardest part of getting selected was selecting and distilling my topic. I've had a microphone in my hand since I was 15, so speaking was going to be the easy part, right? Mm, wrong. Not so fast. <laughs> that would be a no. Today, our very special guest, Ken Starks, a veteran speaking coach and past director of District 1 Toastmasters located in greater Los Angeles area. He's here with me. And to my surprise and exquisite benefit, Ken was my assigned TEDx speaking coach. Today, he reveals the art of storytelling and delivery. Unless you think this has nothing to do with college admissions, grab your beverage of choice because the art of storytelling has everything to do with college admissions. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Cynthia Colon, TEDx speaker, college admissions strategist, and author of the book, Be Committed, Get Admitted. Welcome to Destination University. Oh, my goodness. We're in season nine, our weekly Wednesdays, Better We Wednesday series. I'm interviewing former parents, educators, and college admission folks that can offer tips and strategies on how to become a better parent, teacher, counselor, mentor, or student. Today is no, is, is no exception. Whether you're a college-bound teen is in the middle of high school or that college-bound person is in high school, you're going to find valuable information or what I call golden nuggets to apply immediately. So let's welcome our guest, Ken. Hello, Ken. Oh my God, so excited. <laughs> hey, Cynthia. How are Hi. you? Hi. Good, good. It's good to see you. It's good to have an excuse to see you and just visit with you and just pick your amazing, very smart and savvy brain. So how is everything going today? Everything's going well. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. Well, as you heard me in the intro, I just, you know, gave myself away. I did think I was a great speaker and, and all the things, but you really taught me some tips and tricks that I will always have with me. So we're going to talk about that today. So you can spill all the beans of how terrible I was. But before we go there, I want you to share with our audience sort of like, you know, when, how, why did you get into this? Have you always loved speaking, you know, since you were a kid? So share your journey with us. Well, my love for public speaking certainly wasn't love at first sight. I And I don't think anyone looks at public speaking and think to themselves, hey, I'd like to spend the rest of my life with that. Um, 
I sort of had an experience at work. I was asked to give a presentation one day and I was working as an analyst. So I was used to giving, developing presentations and then having to deliver those presentations. But this particular presentation was a little bit different because it was in front of our executive board, a lot of direct reports, a lot of important people were gonna be at this meeting. So I was asked to, to develop this presentation and then deliver the presentation. The entire week that I prepared for this presentation, I was just filled with anxiety. I was yeah. nervous. As I was developing and creating my presentation, I was having this stressful experience. So the day of the presentation came, I delivered the presentation and which during the presentation, I was nervous. And then I completed the presentation. And once I was done, I began to ruminate about how I did. Did the people think I did a great job? Did, was I terrible? Did I look nervous? And I ruminated for about a week. And I thought at that time that there's something wrong here. Mm. There's something wrong. The fact that I was filled with anxiety a week prior to this event, I was filled with anxiety and stress during the event. I was filled with anxiety afterwards. Two weeks filled with anxiety for what? I didn't know what was going on. And so I thought, you know, I, I have to do something about this because something is wrong. And the the next day, it was once I concluded that there was something wrong and I needed to do something about it, the very next day I was walking through the halls at work and I saw a flyer posted on one of the bulletin boards that said, find your voice. <gasps> no. It was a flyer to attend a Toastmasters meeting. Oh. So that following Tuesday, I attended the Toastmasters meeting and I have been attending ever since. And so I, but to answer your question, I didn't fall in love once I started Toastmasters. I fell in love after learning more about the structure, mm. working with the people and how supportive the people were in helping me in my development. And that really was how I fell in love with Toastmasters by going through that experience. Okay, so I happen to know what Toastmasters is, and and I, I was introduced to it even before I met you years ago. It was a, I think, a great, um, I don't know, what you call it, cohort in Santa Monica for women. But can you just briefly share what is Toastmasters for our audience? Well, Toastmasters is a it's a five hundred one c three. It's an international organization, and it there's some seventeen thousand clubs worldwide. You have clubs in India, you have clubs in Sri Lanka, you have clubs in China, you have clubs in Africa. Uh, half the clubs are here in the United States. And these clubs are subsidiaries of Toastmasters International. And so for a club in Los Angeles, it has a very specific structure that was designed by Toastmasters International. And that structure basically says, you go to a meeting, you have a business meeting, you have extemporaneous speaking, you give prepared speeches, 
you have officers of your local club. And so Toastmasters has designed a structure that allows you as an individual to not just become a better and more effective communicator, but then also to become a more effective leader. So, so the organization itself is a combination of leadership and communication development. And that's, and I had the opportunity to benefit from both the, the communication aspect as well as the leadership aspect in, in Toastmasters. Hmm. That's great. I've never heard anybody share it that way, but you're right. It is it is uh, an opportunity for leadership as well as the speaking. So it's a great organization. I I, I love it. Um, okay. So for you, um, you know, and and our audience are you know mostly parents. Obviously, some students may might be listening, but uh, I connect this with the, the art of storytelling, as I said, and um, it really helped the experience, the TEDx experience specifically, really helped me hone down sort of even distilling my own message for you know, uh, families around the country and in conveying and com uh, completing a compelling application. So for you, when you talk about this, um, this art of speaking, why do you think that this is an important skill that everyone should have? Right, yeah. Effective communication is the most important skill in my opinion. Mm. I mean, it's the most important skill, but then it's also undervalued. You know, there there used to be a, a CEO, he was the CEO of Chrysler back in the day, back in the 80s and the 90s, his name was Lee Iacocca. And I remember reading one of his books. It, it was, it was, where have all the leaders gone? Ooh. And so Lee, Lee Iacocca was, he was, you know, today we have John Maxwell, we have Kim Blanchard, Stephen Covey, right? Always we have these different leadership gurus, but Lee Iacocca was one back in the in the day. And I remember one of his quotes, and this quote has, quote has always stuck with me. And he said, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he said, what's the point of having ideas if you can't effectively communicate them? So yeah. when we think, when we, when we think about communication or effective communication, it's at the center of everything we do. If you're negotiating a contract, effective communication. If you are interviewing for a job, it's effective communication. If you're interviewing someone for a job, it's effective communication. If you have to plead your case in some way or another, it's effective communication. So no matter how you cut it, effective communication is at the center of everything that we do. And I believe that most of us feel that because we have been talking all of our lives that that lends itself to being able to stand in front of an audience of 10 people and be effective. But no, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There's a whole science to being effective when you communicate. You know, you know, one of my, my, my favorite communicator, can you guess who my favorite communicator is? You probably can't guess. <laughs> it's a whole lot no. of them out there. <laughs> okay, no, tell me. My favorite communicator is Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist. Oh my goodness, okay. Woo. Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you watch any of his videos, 
or if you've listened to any of his lectures, he is a master communicator. And a lot of what he practices align with what is taught in Toastmasters. He tells a story about his father and his father told him when he was young, he said that it's not enough to be right. You must also be effective. Mm. So when we think about professionals, academics, scientists, politicians, lawyers, maybe not politicians, <laughs> but when we think about professionals, they have a responsibility because of their knowledge, skills, and abilities, they have a responsibility to be effective when they communicate. In fact, it is irresponsible Ooh. not to be effective. Oh my God, I'm gonna write that down. So he you shares- guys, That's a golden he, nugget right there, oh my God. So he, share, he shares that. And if you ever watch any of his videos, you can see that he incorporates all of the things that we, all of the principles and all of the things that we teach when it comes to effective communication, body language, passion, you know, storytelling. He embodies what I consider to be effective communication. Do you know if he's a, like a member of Toastmasters by chance? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's a member a current member of Toastmasters. And I, I'm not sure if he's ever had any training yeah. in Toastmasters, but I yeah. know he he talks about effective. In fact, he has a masterclass on master, the masterclass app. Masterclass. Oh yeah, 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 I have that. Oh my gosh. Okay. You he have... has a masterclass on effective communication where he talks about effective communication. So spell his name for everyone and myself. It's Neil deGrasse Tyson, N-E-I-L. DeGrasse, so that's D-E-G-R-A-S-S-E. And Tyson is his last name, T-Y-S-O-N. Okay, I got it. Very popular astrophysicist. He tells some incredible stories. He's always well-informed. Just a fun person to listen to because he's so effective at communicating. Oh, I'm going to grow. I want to grow up and be like him. Wow, okay, oh, I have... I have... I have a masterclass. I'm going to, I'm going to put that on my, in my queue. So that's fantastic. Oh my goodness. You won't regret it. Uh, you won't regret it. I amen to that. I'm sure. Um, so you were saying that, you know, there it's, it's I don't know if I said that it was an art, but you, you were talking about how, you know, we think that there were, because we've been talking um, all, our, all our lives, you know, we're human beings that we, we, we communicate daily. Uh, verbally mostly but we definitely communicate non-verbally all kinds of ways but we think that we're good at it um but there is sort of like a secret to it so can you just share like one or two like what are your best either the start with what are the common mistakes maybe one or two mistakes that almost everybody makes and one or two of your best tips and then we're gonna talk about my journey well I think well one of the mistakes that people make is to really just not prepare, not understanding what it means to be an effective communicator. What are some of the basic techniques? If I have never 
spoke in front of an audience of 20 people and I was given the opportunity to do that, the first thing I would want to do is look up effective communication. What are some of the techniques? What are some of the principles that I could employ in this talk in order to make it most effective? And the reason why that's important is because what the average person will do is that they will stand in front of that group of 20 people and they will talk like they do every day, using filler words, not understanding the power of storytelling, not understanding a basic structure of having an opening, a middle, and a conclusion, how to grab your audience's attention, not understanding some of these small techniques that you can that you can use to make your communication more effective. So I think one of the mistakes is that people just don't, they don't take the time to learn some of the basic principles of effective communication. Okay, so good, you guys. You know, I say, grab your beverage of choice and take some notes. This is a golden nugget. Failure to prepare. Oh, there's a good quote about that, right? Like, uh, Failure to people don't pe people don't to plan, plan to fail. They fail to plan. Yes, there you go. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's a great tip. Okay, so um, give me a, a best. Uh, so failing to prepare, you've got to. So you've got to prepare. That's a common mistake. And what is one of your best tips in when you are helping someone prepare for a talk? Um, What's the number one thing you tell them to do? Be authentic. Ooh. There's simply no replacement for authenticity. And okay. many people find it difficult to be authentic because they don't know where authenticity lives within them. Ooh, so good. Oftentimes, because they've spent so many years doing what they've always done, doing what they've seen others do. But we have the saying, I was telling you the story about that flyer I saw. In Toastmasters, they want people to find their voice. And that is the experience that I had in Toastmasters is that, you know, I used to, I used to try to be funny. I used to try to be funny. I mean, it was, it was the worst experience, Cynthia, because I would I would say, oh, that's something that somebody said was funny. Let me incorporate that. And then I would use it as I'm delivering to an audience and it would just completely fall flat, completely fall flat. And I didn't understand. It. But over time, I realized that as I am delivering and speaking to an audience, there will be times when I would script something funny, not something I heard, but something I just think is funny. I would script it and say, okay, let me frame it this way. Let me say this. I think that this is funny. I would deliver it. And to my amazement, maybe some people would laugh, but they didn't laugh. But then there were other areas of my presentation that they would just find so funny that I didn't script at all. <laughs> And I learned that- Like right now. <laughs> very well, could be, yes. <laughs> what I learned was that it's your authenticity. 
Mm. It's you speaking the way that you speak. And I speak a certain way. You have a certain way of speaking. I remember when you and I were rehearsing mm -hmm. and I asked you to tell me the story about you growing up. And the way that you told that story was so funny to me compared to how you delivered your presentation. And if you can recall, we decided to incorporate some of that in <laughs> your presentation. But you were just telling the story about yourself growing up, your family. And there were certain parts of it that I just thought that was just so authentic and so hilarious that I can just connect to. And that is the thing. People can connect. People will connect to your authenticity. You could be the worst in terms of using filler words, not really being very structured in your presentation. But if you're authentic, if you're if you're coming from a place of authenticity, people may not even notice. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay. You guys can you you don't even know what you're like preaching right now because authenticity is what we try and get our students to to find right now they're 17 years old and it's hard what you just said people don't know you're talking about grown adults don't know where authenticity authenticity lives with inside them because they've been doing the same thing and so for students many of these students uh, have been sort of achievers many of them overachievers and they just been, you know, doing what everybody tells them. Okay, you do this and you do this and you do this. And the reward is this, the A. You get the A and the blah, blah, blah. And it's hard for them to find their voice in a written form, which is what you're talking about. So, um, so yeah, so it's really hard. Okay, so spill the beans. You start, you start, led, you sort of sprinkled a little bit um, in here but uh okay so let me just sort of set this up for everybody and this is obviously through my eyes and perspective it was probably a year ago around this time um i applied to several tedx um, talks and i think i ended up submitting a total of three so between february and march i guess i submitted them and then uh you guys uh who love the college admissions how i tie things to, to that I was rejected from one, I was waitlisted on one, and I was accepted to another. Okay, so I got all three, uh, red, a yellow, and a green card. So the TEDx South Central um, is the one that I, I got, and we started meeting in, I want to say May as our was our first meeting. And so each month we would meet, and from get-go, from day one, we had to present. We had to give our talk and get feedback from day one, you guys. And there were some people who showed up prepared, you know, you know, you're over here, <laughs> yours truly, yours truly. I was there, I was prepared. Um, and some that were, you know, didn't think it was true that they needed to be fully, you know, uh, ready to present their, their talk. Okay, fast forward. Um, Ken is assigned to me to be my, my coach. So, okay, you take it from there. <laughs> you can speak truth, go ahead. <laughs> Are you sure? Is this yeah. is this a safe environment for me it to is be safe. completely transparent? It's it's over now, so it's all good. <laughs> well, well, let me just first say that it was it was an absolute pleasure, and I've had an opportunity to work with many people, and 
their speeches. And the difference is that first and foremost, you have some fundamentals that the average person just doesn't have. Mm. You know, your experience, your your background, right? It lends itself to you already speaking in front of an audience. And so you have some some very basic some some basic qualities that make you already a strong speaker. Your eye contact. Right? Mm-hmm. your your confidence, your assurance, the the passion with in which you deliver whatever it is that you deliver. These things are are automatic. And, and again, if you have an individual that don't have one or two or two of those, it's hard for them to find in six months. Mm-hmm. You just simply can't find it. So you brought a lot to the table, which in and of itself made it easy. So but let me give you some feedback on the first thing that I identified. When the first recording that I heard of your speech, the one thing that stood out to me was how your voice tapered off towards the end. You use use a technique that is very powerful in your delivery. And that is when you are making a point and you want to emphasize that point, you kind of slow your tempo towards the end of that sentence and you pause. That makes your audience listen and pay attention. It's very, it, it, it's something you do naturally. I've heard it from day one all the way up until the day that we, it's when we had the TED talk, but it's just part of your natural delivery. What you were doing that we had to correct was oftentimes when you would get towards the end of the sentence, it would do one of those kinds of things. Ah, so uh-huh. You would lose the last, the volume would taper off towards the end and you would lose the last few words. And then it would be difficult to understand what the actual point was. Mm-hmm. But we so talked good. about it. Mm-hmm. We talked about it and you eliminated it simply went away i didn't hear it from i think it maybe was the first couple of recordings and after those first couple of recordings we never talked about it again but i was specifically listening for it and i didn't hear it mm. so you so you corrected it yeah and and that was great the second thing that stood out to me was it was somewhat of a hand talker <laughs> somewhat of a hand talker, so you use your hands when you talk. Not overly excessive, but it's just enough that it could be distracting to an audience. We have to remember that part of our delivery is physical, meaning gestures, body language. And what we want to do when we're delivering is we want to use our body language purposefully. We want to use it with intent. If we're going to say something that's big, we say it's big, right? We say it was gigantic or we say it was really small, right? But if you just are talking and there's no intent to what we're doing with our hands, then that can be a little excessive and it can be a little bit challenging. But again, you you corrected it. When you delivered your, your talk, 
I was surprisingly, because I know how difficult it is for, I'm <laughs> sort of a hand talker, sometimes hand talk. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson, he also is a hand talker. He'll tell you that. But I know how difficult it is to eliminate that as a habit. I know how difficult it is. And so we talked about it. And we talked about some strategies that you use. I was pleasantly surprised that during your talk that you were able to maintain it. Like you were able to not be excessive in your hand motions. You, it, I mean, it was not distracting at all. I, I was a little shocked because I know how difficult it is, but you, you nailed it. So you did the work in that area. Uh, I will say that is probably the biggest takeaway I had from you. Uh, there were a lot of little things I learned too, a long way to be become a better speaker. But, but and I'm using my hand now. Um, <laughs> I, I tend to not li re listen to my podcast or rewatch something because I can't change it. And I just, I, and I, if I get, you know, if I watch it, I'm going to be critical of it. So I, this process forced me because if I was committed to giving the best Ted talk that I could possibly give, which I was all in, I had to watch. And I, when you pointed that out, I could just feel myself cringe. And I, and I got every point you, you would give me, um, with love. <laughs> um, I got it. I got it. And then, and so I think that for me, that was the biggest piece and, and it was difficult. It is difficult. I think for anybody who tends to talk with their hands and I do, and, um, I've given talks, you know, to a small group of people and to a, a ballroom full of people, especially when I did admissions for Vassar. So, um, I've been doing this for a long time. So that was, that was a big takeaway for me. Right. So. The, uh, another, the third thing I would say that stood out for me was after listening to your presentation and reading through your presentation, there was no humor in your presentation. I believe every time you stand in front of an audience, there has to be something funny that we can make light of. There has to be something there. And we also have to find them. No different from finding your voice and that authenticity, you also have to find your style of humor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that I felt she, she's going to have to work on this a little bit. But what was great was that you have a great sense of humor. That was that was the thing. <laughs> and, and so I think for most people, what we have a challenge with is taking our natural sense of humor and then including it in the form of some type of a presentation. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. I take, I think it takes a little bit of time to get adjusted to it, but it's, it's not just your words. It's also your expression. It's your body language. I remember there was a couple of times and there was, there was some kind of, I, I just remember making note that there was a, I can't remember off the top of my head. I have it in my notes, but there was, there was, there was some kind of body language that you did. That was funny. It was, it was just, it, it, it acts, it accentuated whatever it was that you were saying at the time. And it made it funny, you know? So I think, so those three things were the thing. There was really just those three things. Everything else 
the writing, how it was structured, that's all just about editing. We all have to go back and edit and rearrange things, take it out so it's not as long as it is it, you oh. know, it is, it needs to be shorter. So it, these are some natural things that we would do, but I think those three things were the main things that stood out to me. Oh, those are so good because they're so related, also related to essay writing. But um, you guys, the sort of little behind the scenes little piece was that the day one that we had to come and we had to come prepared. Um, and I think I went first. I don't know if we went alphabetical by last name, but I went first. And I think I landed somewhere around 14 or 15 minutes, which I knew was too long and it felt too long. So based on what we presented on the first day, we were then given a maximum number of minutes of what our talk, where we should land with our talk. And so my number was 12. <laughs> and I don't know how many versions I went through, Ken, but I, I mean, I can't, I was like, by the end, I was like, okay, I do this for a living. Edit essays, like I can't take another word out. Oh my God. Um, but we got there and I don't know where I landed on the actual day, but I think I landed somewhere 12, 11, like just over maybe. Um, but I had gotten it down as I would go for my walks. Um, I would record and just, just go and practice and practice. And I was, I was somewhere at 1140, but I think the nerves, you know, you have to account for the nerves on the, on the last day. So, yeah. And it was spot on. It was, you know, it was concise. And it was just as effective as it would have been if it was 17 minutes, if not more effective because it was less, right? So yeah, I was, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. Oh, fantastic. Now I have one last question for you just because of who's, who's listening. And I do have someone, um, one of my private clients, uh, he's super smart and has lots of interest. Um, and he's considered, you know, and he's a debater, he's a big time debater. So he has thought, maybe I should do a TED Talk, sort of right, right? He probably has this notion that he's a good speaker. So what would be a piece of advice for anyone listening, young or, you know, adult age? Um, what's the first thing, you know, I, I'm assuming you can't, you would not suggest randomly applying to any TED Talk without giving some thought. So what's the first step that someone should do in thinking one day I want to give a talk, TED Talk? Well, everyone can start today working on developing their public speaking skills. Mm. You're going to need them. Why wait until you are chosen to give a TED Talk to start developing these skills? So good. At the end of the day, what you want is for when you are selected and you deliver your, your TED Talk, what you want is for it to have broad reach because you communicate it so well and you were so effective and communicate if you start today with developing these skills by the time you get there you will already have and it's sort of similar to you 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 brought with you some very basic skills that helped you to be more effective in your communication mm -hmm. so i think the the first thing i would say is would be to start working on your effective communication slash public speaking, however you want to categorize it, skill. Start today. Toastmasters is a great venue, I think, because it allows you to just come in there and talk. You can do it as often as you want. So it's a great venue to do that. But if there's other 
opportunities or venues that might be better for you, then take advantage of those opportunities. The other thing I would say would be to attend TEDx events in your community, mm -hmm. in the community in which you may plan to give a TEDx talk. Attend the event in your community. Attend events outside of your community. They're happening all over the place, yeah. all the time. You're going to meet some fantastic people. You will learn about the structure. You will kind of, you will get some intel in regards to how these events are, are developed. So I think attending the events is also is is very is is important. Now, when you attend the event, it gives you the opportunity to meet the speakers mm -hmm. and the organizer. Mm -hmm. So if you attend an event in South Central, you will have an opportunity to meet the organizer of TEDx South Central. What better resource if you wanted to become a TEDx speaker at TEDx South Central, what better resource than to have connections with the organizer? So attending the events inside and outside, I think those are some important things. Also, um, watch TED Talks. Not under, watch yeah. TED Talks. Not only are they informative, and you might hear some, some information that that challenges you in a way to do something different, but you're also watching and listening to TED Talks to hear how other speakers develop their talks. Yeah. So one aspect of it is that you're being informed. The other aspect of it is that you're looking for structure. How are they developing their talks? What made this talk funny? What made this talk interesting? If you notice all the talks, they have a common theme when they open, right? Because in Chris Anderson's book, which is TED Talks, I think it is. Yeah. He talks about the primary ways of opening up the TED Talk. So they have coaches as well. It will also be a part of your development if you're watching TED Talks. So watching TED Talks, attending the events. Mm -hmm. Meeting people, meeting the speakers, meeting the organizers, working on your own personal development, following the community TED event. So, for example, if it's TEDx Manhattan Beach, follow them on social media. Check their web page often to see when they're having events. I think all of these things will just kind of put you in the TEDx universe. Yeah. And ultimately, you're going to meet somebody, you'll be able to fulfill whatever dream you have of becoming a TEDx speaker. So good. And so true. I totally believe in, in all of that. I My first one was a TEDx Pasadena. Um, I went to the TEDx Inglewood. But during our training, during the months leading up to ours, um, I just immersed. I watched at least one every day or most days of the week. So, so good. Hen, thank you so much for taking time to share some of those just great, you know, tips um, about being a good communicator. And we all 
are always communicating who we are to the world, whether we like it or not. And so it's a great skill to have. And of course, the art of storytelling is bar none um, in my world because it's going not just verbally, but also on paper. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Such a treat to have you. All right. Thanks for having me. Yes. All right. That's all I have for you today, my friends. Be sure to follow us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can download and subscribe to Destination U University. And if this episode has in any way inspired, helped, or fueled your confidence, please share it with three people in the next 30 minutes. And if you haven't binge listened, please start with episode one where I interview my mother and everybody always loves her way more than they love me. Start with episode one. In the meantime, wherever you are, may you have a happy and sunny day. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening this week to Destination University. Be sure to join Dr. Cynthia Colon again and get one step closer to your success. 